You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. On this episode, I talk to a rugby great, played in both codes, rugby union and rugby league. He's come out of the game to be one of the leading voices in rugby, but more so Welsh rugby, it's the wonderful, the lovely Jonathan Davis, aka Jiffy. Give well, Jonathan Davis, Jiffy, we actually haven't met properly face to face. You've called a lot of my games, but I'm told that we would like each other, but more so I would like you. You might not like me. So it's class, to, it's class to have you on because, look, I'm, I've been a big fan of yours. I love the way that you go about your business. And the more that I've asked about you and tried to research you before this interview, everyone's like, they smile. Do you know what I mean? Or you can hear them smiling down the phone. I'm lucky. I don't like, I don't uh, not like many people, Jim. So you'll be all right, mate. Don't you worry. Well, there you go. That's exactly it. And we were talking just off air, weren't we, about the late Doddy Weir and, and yeah. the positivity around that and to live life and be happy and to kind of share experiences and smile. You're, you're only here once and like, you know, life, life changes in a second, you know, so it's, and you, and, you know, everything, you've, uh, Doddy's passing and the, the illnesses that, you know, the, uh, some people have got, it just puts everything into perspective, really. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on and we will try and keep this podcast as upbeat as possible. There will be parts where there won't be as upbeat, but the majority of it. Let's start with high energy then, because I put a tweet out earlier in the week, Jiffy, around the Welsh anthem. I just tweeted, I was watching the, the England-Wales game, and I said the Welsh anthem for me is the best anthem. I've got no idea what land of my father's, or in Welsh, it's Hen Vard Fyd Na Hadu Hudu. Something like that, yeah. So, what is it? Hen Vard Van Hadai. So it's, that's what it is, my Hen Vard Van Hadai. So the old land of my father's, which is, uh, it just got, it's just got a great, it's got a good, great rhythm to it. And I think if you look, you know, the Argentinians got a good rhythm. The French have got it. The Italians have got it. Um, you know, the flow of Scotland is is good. So, but um, yeah, it's everyone gets stuck into it. But also, I think, you know, we come from a land of song, they say, but also the Amawahid and the Welsh, the Red Wall and uh, the football anthem has, has grown as well. So that's given us another kind of... Uh, Another song, another excuse to sing another song, and we all join in. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been good. Listen to the World Cup, um, you know, anthems and the Welsh singing, but unfortunately, it wasn't this time for us. So again, it's like ups and downs. And um, the Welsh football, they, they overachieved. They've, they've been unbelievable. They've been on an unbelievable journey. Um, and, you know, maybe it was one step too far and we didn't perform like we did, but it doesn't matter. You know, we've seen, we've seen them in the World Cup. First time in my lifetime, so I was delighted to support them. Well, they won the anthems, that's for sure. Just on that, and I, I, I want to mention that, Jiffy, because when I put the tweet out and the way that social media works, and we can maybe talk about that later in the show, 
is a lot of people come back with high energy and it's like, no, you know, it's crap. Or they, they, they always revert back to how bad the English anthem is, which we know, God save the Queen. I, I, don't, mind I, don't, I don't mind it, though. I don't mind it. I've, I've, sung, I've sung it, like, you know, I've sung it play for Great Britain and I sung it with, a, you know, the same passion as I, as I sung the, the Welsh anthem, play for Wales, because I was representing Wales at the time, singing the High and Ravenada, and that's, like, my home country. But also, you know, Wales isn't a part of Great Britain, so to play that, in the, I know, so we're singing the God Save the, the King as it is now. You know, I, I, you know, you sing the same, same passion as you do for that for the Welsh one. Looking very well. I mentioned it before we came on air. Now I couldn't believe you're sixty, right? Have I under or overplayed? You are sixty, I right? No, I, I am just sixty. La- well, no, it's December today. It's like sixty in, in October. Looking great. How I? How's the body and how's the mind? Because I know oh, there's a lot of stuff going around, isn't there? In terms yeah, of what Austin yeah. Healy's just had a knee yeah. replacement, Hibata yeah. shoulder replacement. How are you? Yeah. How's the body and the mind? I think head? I, I had a hip replacement uh, ten years ago. Um, I'm, I'm still struggling along. I got a bad knee, but I'm just you know keeping off the old uh, uh, knee replacement because I've heard it's, it's a painful one if you don't need to keep it going. But hey, we're getting to an age, Jim, where you know, it's going to catch up with you. And, um, you know, we've all been active. Doesn't matter if you're a professional sportsman, you play a lot of, you know, sports in school, all different kinds of sports. And it catches up with you sometimes. You only need one little accident to get this into the into past of your body. But no, I, I do still try and keep fit. And I say that, because, not that I'm surprised by how well you look, but again, looking through the archives, you played in the first World Cup in the 80s while I was still in nappies. What was that, what was, what was that like? Well, it's certainly different from uh, what it is now, you know, with the uh, the commercial uh, arm of it and TMOs and and the, and the TV revenue. So it's you know we we just someone said oh we got a World Cup coming up. I said oh, okay, what's that? So you know we went we went to Tembe for a pre for a pre World Cup uh, weekend, and that's all we did was do a bit of rugby drills and uh, and we we entered the Tembe half marathon. And that was about it, bit. So we we didn't didn't know what to expect. Landed in New Zealand, and then we realised this was huge in New Zealand because they regarded themselves as the best in the world. But this was the opportunity for them to show that we are the best team in the world. So the whole World Cup was geared up to uh, an Australia New Zealand final. Uh, but we landed in Australia um, for, to play England in the quarterfinals. I think. And go through customs. They, you know, we said, "Oh, what, what are you doing?" You know, the Aussie customs. What are you doing here? I said, "Oh, you're for the World Cup." And they said, "What World Cup?" So the difference between the, the two countries was was immense, you know. But uh, Australia lost to France. France usually pulled something out of the bag and beat the Australian semi-final, so blew all at the Aussie New Zealand final. But it was, a, it was a, looking back on it when it happened, it was it was great. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed traveling. I enjoyed seeing different countries. You know, catching up with all the rugby boys. But, you know, it was, we didn't really know what to expect. We just went out to try and play our best. And, um, you know, we came, we came, luckily, we came third. We did well to come, come third. But now, you know, to see how it's grown, it's been absolutely amazing. Yeah, amazing how the, the growth of the World Cup has grown. And, and I suppose rugby union since, since it went professional. Do you like that growth? Or not, Jiffy, being part of the old guard. I mean, it's gone so professional yeah. on the pitch, yeah. but it's not really married off the pitch, has it? So the way the game has gone in no. terms of the athlete, yeah. it hasn't transferred yeah. into the, the wider commerciality of the game. And, and also, you mentioned, you know, with the internet and uh, social media and everything, it's like everyone's it's got so many experts over there. And I don't mind. Everyone, everyone has a voice, right? Whether you've played the game, whether you've coached the game, 
whether you watch the game. I don't, I don't care. You've all, you've got, you've all got an opinion. But what gets me is when, when someone voices, voices an opinion, then they start, you know, really having a go at you. So I don't like that. That's, I don't like that part of it. And I, I try to calm down and not bite back sometimes. So, um, but on the, on the other side of it, I think the professional side of it, I, I know I, I do enjoy that and the whole package and the World Cup. Um, I'm not sure about the way the game's going. I just think it's so, I, I've, you know, I've talked to a lot of boys and I played, the, I played rugby league as well, you know, in, an, in a professional era. And when I played in the NRL in Australia, that was really brilliant in those days. And, you know, it, it worked. And I just, at the moment, the game is so defensive. And, and I find it very boring sometimes. Don't take me wrong. If, I get, if you get a good game of rugby, rugby union, it's a brilliant spectacle. And you get some games which are absolutely unbelievable to watch. And I sit there thinking, oh, this is why I started playing the game. But sometimes when you get the boring box kicking because the defences are so tight and you can't get quick ball, it just does get me down a little bit because the game, the game hasn't fundamentally changed. You know, it's, it's all about doing your core skills well, getting your basics at set piece well, uh, getting your tackles in, getting a good kicking game in. But ultimately, it's now all about quick ball. If you don't quick, get quick ball because of the dense defensive systems that everyone's got it just gets a little bit slow and turgid you know yeah well the obvious statement around the quick ball is something that has become so apparent because of I'd say the autumn nation series in terms of on a wider scale like us being kind of deep rooted into the game know that that is the case but I think it's become very obvious during the autumn nation series to everyone and it's quite interesting because there's talk at the minute around these trials with world rugby they're looking for ways to grow the game right and to increase the tempo have you seen the latest thing that they're talking about uh, have you not heard it the captain's call where the captain can call for a player to be simbined so th- this is out there in the public domain rumored to be potentially being trialed so go with me on this and then give me your kind of first up opinion so I'm captain of Scotland, right? I'm looking at the Welsh team. I'm like, right, Jiffy there, because he's the best player, I want him off for 10 minutes and then I can choose to put you in the sim bin. It's like a sim bin that's, power play. That's a load of bollocks. <laughs> Traditionalist, that's why. Uh, no, no, you can't. If, I'm the same. I, if you, at if, first, if you, I was if like, you've got, So you imagine now, right? You're playing against... Um, I don't know. Say you're playing against Dan Carter, right? Or you're playing against David Campisi. You're playing against Colby, right? Or Pelosi or Bowden Barrett. And he's having a brilliant game. Or absolutely, you think, oh my God, he's, he's after you. Sometimes you, you, you look at players and they're playing on it. He's, he is in the zone. He's having the best game. People have paid money to come there. So I can go, because he's playing brilliant, I want him off. <laughs> Only that's for 10 absolute, minutes. Only for 10 I don't care. Minutes. I don't care. That's, that's not a trap. It's happening, uh, Jeffy. Apparently, it's happening. If I come through, right, that's the end of it. It'd be like that's pathetic. So again, when I played rugby league, right, there was a there was a different way of getting the opposition best player off because I was targeted. So if they smash my face in or break my jaw, I'm off. Their player gets sent off. They they think it's a good deal. Maybe that's a bit fairer than the current current planning. So no, that's stupid. I just think I, I understand that they try and improve the game. You know. Getting the tempo up. Like, Scum's got to move quicker. TMOs have got to move quicker. Referees have got to maybe make decisions and, and with the officials with them so that something doesn't go to the TMO. But I knew straight away, once the TMO came in, it's natural instinct 
to to have an insurance policy there for you. So rather than make the decision, say I'm hundred percent that that is a try, but I better go to TMO. So that's the thing, you know. That's and I think the the world we are trying to change things and improve the game. But it takes so long to go through these things. And that's where I think rugby league is maybe a step ahead. When they see something that needs to change and make it entertainment, make it more of an entertainment sport, they change it straight away. And they see if it works, it doesn't work, they just bin it, bin it. So it's, um, you know, it's, don't get me wrong, they're both great games. And I still enjoy both games, rugby union at its best. It's just absolutely brilliant. But unfortunately, at the moment, you know, there are, Elements of it that slows the game down, and I and I and I through the autumn because I, I wasn't working, unfortunately. You know, I sat in the crowd and witnessed this at first hand. You know, that the, the all of a sudden, spectator loses that interest in it, and what happens? The Mexican wave goes up, the dreaded Mexican, or oh, they'll all go to the to the bar to have a pint. There's empty seats everywhere, so you can see that, and that's and that's and that's a problem. You know, that is a problem that they need to look at. There's a few things you've talked about then and one thing I want to pick you up on and for us we're probably laboured by the conversation around the TMO but the millions of listeners listening to this will be interested just to get a kind of headline snapshot TMO do you like that or not because you speak to many people they don't like it but me where I I, I like the TMO it needs to be speeded yeah. up but from your I point think, of view yeah. would you have that going forward carry on if, if you're putting this whatever whatever side you whatever side you uh, support, and you're in a World Cup semi-final, and the referee gives a blatant mistake, which is human error. He thought he was making a call, and you lose a World Cup final by human error. Everybody will want the TMO. Obviously, everyone whose decision he went against, the one they went for, they wouldn't want it. But to me, yes, I, I still think the TMO is a very good thing. And having worked in television for 25 years, right, I can't understand why the TMO can't make a quick decision. I can see I can see a try, and my gut feeling would say that's a try. I need one look at it, and then I will know if it's a try or not. But then the referee said, "Oh, give me that angle, that angle, that angle, that angle, this angle." And all of a sudden, the whole the whole thing slows down. So if, if the TMO uh, process was run quicker, the, the pe- people wouldn't have a complaint with it. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And I think that that's what they're trying to get to when I spoke to Luke Pierce on here as well. So hopefully they get to that. They're all trying. But like as you know, you know, that everyone's on their back. Whatever they do, you know, some people think it's wrong. Some people will think it's right. They, they've got to have conviction in their decision to say, right, this is what we're doing. This is what's good for the game. And we're going to trial it. That's all. I mean, and everyone's got to go with it. You've brought a rugby league a few times, which I'm comfortable to do now. I had England captain <laughs> Sam Tompkins on here. And yeah. off the back of that, the the Owen Farrell thing that's been trending this week. Again, I don't know if you've seen that about him potentially going to rugby league. Uh, Sam Tompkins said the best rugby league player, he said on this show, the best rugby league player in the world has never played rugby league professionally. And it was Owen Farrell. Big statement, but it's doing the rounds. You, you look at it, you look at it by, you know, you, you got him and uh, George Ford. You know, their dads played rugby league. I was fortunate to play against the both of them. And you can see when England attacked with them two playing, that they played very flat and put people into spaces. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's just, well, it, it's difficult for me that they haven't, England haven't worked that 10, 12, 13 combination out to get the best footballers in the park. You know, that's what, Eddie's trying to see. He wants Manu Tulagi in there, which I can see why. But sometimes I'm not sure what he's trying to achieve in, in those, you know, in those positions. Because 
if they get it right, they're, they're, they're very, very difficult to defend. And, um, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Owen. Um, I like his, I just, I like his attitude. Everyone says he lives on the edge, but hey, if you you want someone like that in your team, his father was the same. You know, he was the same. He was a great player. He was, and he was maybe one of the top five players of either sport that I've ever played against. He's he's a goat, that's for sure. With Owen, what number do you see on his back as a fan? Even though you're in the media and you're well placed to talk about it, what number should be on his back? It is a tough one because you get this because he can play both as well. I think I like people with a threat at 10 who have got a bit of pace. And that's what the problem is, you know. New Zealand always pick players with pace at 10, so they're a threat. So they hold the back row in, okay, which then gives space to the two centres. And I think Owen, you know, he's, he's adapted 10 or 12, but I think at international level, at 12, he could, he could dictate the game. And I would like someone like him outside. He's not scared to take the ball in. He's a good he's a good kicker out the hand, right? And defensively, he's strong as well. So, if I was playing ten, he'd be he'd be the perfect twelve, you know, playing outside me. I would, and uh, because you need he, he he can do it all from twelve, and it gives him a little bit of space outside then as well. Love that. I'm I'm not going to copy and say twelve. I think ten, but the fact that you said twelve, you can you can convince me, Jeffy. That's fine. And also, you know, you you, you got you said you got such a great passing game as well. You know, you, you can put the flat passes out to 15, you know, so there's a lot of different options you look at and you bring the blindside winger in and um, he could, but again, he could play anywhere, Jim. Talking of rugby league then, a little bit deeper into the archives, playing for Great Britain, I did see somewhere that you played against Papua New Guinea. What was that like? Interesting experience. Why are you smiling when I say that? Look, so there is uh, something here. Uh, it was odd. It was. It was. You know, it's a great. It's a great country to go to. You know, that's the whole thing oh, about. It was in. It was in Papua New Guinea. Yeah, that's a bad. Oh. I played. I played them against them in uh, in Swansea on a cold November evening. They just didn't want to be there. You know, we battered them sixty points. Um, but then when we went to Papua New Guinea, we went there. I, I, I was. I went rugby league in eighty nine. All of a sudden, I'm on a Great Britain tour in nineteen ninety, and we go and we went to Papua New Guinea for three weeks, right? And um, it was it was very different. You know, there was still cannibalism there. They were telling us, uh, "Don't go out to the hotel and all this." And um, but to play in the game was unbelievable because rugby league is their national sport, and they travel hours to come and watch this game. And you know, walking for days maybe to get to this game. And some of them aren't allowed in, so it was ructions. They were throwing stones over us. There was tear gas being blasted into the crowd. People falling. We're on the floor. With um, referee goes hit the deck, so we hit the deck. We're lying on the floor, tear gas all around us, and we're dumping our eyes off. Okay, ten minutes later, play on. So that's the way it is. Like it was just absolute chaos, and then you got to try and focus on in, on winning the test match. So we won the we won the first one. But what happens is, you know, you're talking about hundred degrees, hundred ten degrees. We played three o'clock in the afternoon. Humidity was ridiculous, so you got to try and get in front by twenty thirty points. And then hang on in for the last 20 minutes because you know they're coming. And in those days as well, their favourite skill was the, the spear tackle. So you'd run in, they'd hold you up, another one would get under your legs, they'd flip you over and absolutely drill you into the concrete ground, you know. So it was... But we, we trained hard there. We trained every day at 3 o'clock, you know, and did 200-metre turnaround because we were going to New Zealand. So we we won we were one all in the test series in Papua New Guinea, 
I thought we won we won the New Zealand Test Series two one. So it was it was an amazing experience because I've done Papua New Guinea, Tonga, Samoa, Fiji. So go to the I, I'd never have gone to those places if I wasn't playing rugby. So I've I've I it was it was looking back on it it was different experience, an enjoyable experience. But at the time, <laughs> I wouldn't say it was. <laughs> Getting spared into the ground, probably while you've got a mouth yeah. and an eye full of tear gas. Sounds yeah. like an experience. But you're, you're smiling when you talk about it, like as it seems like they were your, your best days. Oh, you know, I playing, playing, nothing, nothing beats playing, Jim. You know, even I, I, when I go watch, you know, drive past fields on a Saturday morning and you see the youngsters playing, you know, sometimes you just think, you go, it, memories come back of you playing in those parties when you were under the levels, you know, and it still happens now. You know, I, I love playing at school, I love playing at youth level with my mates. And, I, you know, then you, you go up the ladder and, yeah, they're, they're fond, fond memories and, um, and nothing beats them. The adrenaline and the emotion that you have from running on the field and the expectation, you know, nothing, nothing, can, nothing can match that. And that's why I tell, try and tell a lot of the current players, look, there's a lot of mental health issues because, especially when they're professional, not because it's you know they overthink things all the time. It's their income, it's their you know their mortgages, their families, and you're thinking, right, okay, so you got to prepare for it. When you finish, there's nothing that's going to compare to what you've been through. Nothing, nothing. So you got to prepare to when you finish, so it softens the blow, and then it's like, like seamless to try and go into another career because it's very, very difficult. So. Um, so I, I I just think I've always advocated they should they should be doing something parallel to their rugby career so they can step out of it and then try and try and live a normal life post rugby. Yeah, absolutely. I heard uh, Brian O'Driscoll talking about it. He did a a really good doc with one of the jockeys. I can't remember who it was actually, and they were talking about it being a second life. It's like two lives effectively. You have your first life. And you have your second life, which is absolutely true. And I've just turned 40. I've been retired five years now. And I was probably at the stage, Jiffy, where it wasn't really spoken about. You knew that it was coming and people spoke about this buzzword transition. But there was no real, there was no real explanation of what that feeling is. And I remember Brian O'Driscoll talking about it recently. And he said... It's like having two lives, and it is. And, and even when you transition, Jiffy, you've gone into the media, I've gone into the media, so it's perceived to be we've transitioned well. Brian O'Driscoll, the same, and it's still tough. So I can't imagine how difficult it is for players where their injuries just like that and they don't have a second career. I, I think that's key because you don't know when the, your career is going to finish, right? I always I remember talking to Steve Jones, who was a marathon runner from Wales. You won the London Marathon. And he said, you've got to make the most of sport because you're only a hamstring away from oblivion, which is true, right? And I, that, that statement stuck in my mind throughout my career because I told my crew sheets when I was uh, 19 years of age. And I think, look at it, you know, I was lucky I called time on my own career. Cardiff wanted me to play for another year. I was just, I think I'm done. I, I don't want to go one year too far. So I called time on my own career. I can't imagine what it's like when, you know, you've got to retire through no concussion or a serious uh, injury. So I think it's even more of a priority now where, because coming to the back end of your career, as you mentioned there, if you've got two years left of your career, you're thinking, oh, I want to enjoy these two years, not worry about, oh, God, what am I doing next? So if you can have something to step into in two years' time, you're going to absolutely enjoy those two years left 
and maybe then you can extend it another year because you're playing well because you're enjoying it. On your transition into the media, it seems like, and again, because you're 60 and looking great, but you've stood <laughs> the up. test of time. Shut up, I'm being serious. Yeah, it must be a HD filter on here or something. But <laughs> something, yeah. Sorry. You, like, you've managed... Like... Yeah, exactly. But you were commentating on my games and you're still doing it now. Yeah. And this is a, a twofold question, right? You've stood the test of time. Um, and then part of that is being under scrutiny from the media, the fact that you're Welsh and the profile around the Welsh team and the fact they've yeah, been successful. Yeah. So yeah. one is how have you managed to do that in that transition? But also what I really love about you, Jiffy, is you're Welsh. And when you speak about Wales and you commentate on them, there is a natural deep-rooted bias towards Wales because you're Welsh. And what I find really weird is that people have, like, it's almost like they're annoyed that that's yeah. the case when it happens. Yeah. I'm like, well, what, yeah. what do you, that, that's it, yeah. isn't it? That's exactly what it is. That's sport. Yeah. I, I've, I've been very lucky. The, the first thing that I've, I've, I stepped into television, I just, Brian Barwick gave me a three year, three month contract, right? And I'm still there 25 years later, right? So I must be doing something, right? You got to remember is 50, when you're doing England Wales, you've got 10 million audience, 50% are going to love you, 50% are going to hate you, right? So why, why worry about it? I think, the best thing for me, I've worked with, and as you are, when you get in the media, you, there are great people in there. You know, I've worked with anchormen like um, Steve Ryder, John Inverdale, Claire Baldin, Gabby Logan, just to name a few, right? Then I've worked with Eddie Butler, Bill McLaren, Ray French, David Woods, right? You know, then uh, and even Andrew Cotton, or you work with Andrew, Andrew's brilliant. So, you're in amongst people who actually know their trade. So you want to up your game, right, to be with them as presenters. And then it's simple. You have to keep your credibility. If you believe in something that you see or say on the field, you have to say it because rugby people, rugby supporters are quite knowledgeable about the sport. Also, you can't be personal with players. You've got to say, like, not you say, oh, he's going to have a dreadful game today. You've got to say, look, he's not having his best game. Because we've been there. I've been slagged off. And I know it's not nice. But you've got to, when I remember, if I, our, our role is to analyse the game. The commentator's role is to commentate. Our role is to, so they say what, uh, what's happening. We say why it's happening. And if you can make that difference of the, the guy in the house watching the game, thinking, oh, I didn't see that. I didn't see that happen. Oh, yeah, that's what I happened. And you explain that. Then you put yourself on a different plateau, I suppose. But I, I you know, having, again, going back to the, the Welshness of it, you know, I've worked with, Jerry Guscott, then you work with Gavin or Andy Nickel, then you work with Keith Woods, okay? Then you work with uh, Thomas Castanier. They're, they're so patriotic as well, and sometimes oh, they're biased because we try and call it, obviously, you want, you want your home nation to win. It's a lot, you know, that's, that's your, that's why, that's, that's why, you know, you are, you're Welsh, so obviously I want Wales to win. So, and I remember, you know, but then again, when, when I went to World Cup in 2003 and Wales got knocked out, you know, I wanted Ireland to win. I wanted Scotland to win. And then I wanted England to win, okay? Because... Jeffy, Jeffy. Yeah, did but you. I didn't... I didn't yeah, I, when I was watching England play Australia in a final, I love Australia, but obviously, being a Northern Hemisphere, I knew what winning the World Cup would do to a Northern Hemisphere side. So you look at it, you know, with, with your rugby cap on then, but it's it is you know people think I'm a well, obviously people think I'm slightly biased, but the Welsh people think I'm biased against them sometimes when I when I'm critical of them, 
So it's it's not a tough job, and you're gonna and you've got to take it on the chin. But as long as you keep your credibility and you can stand face to face with someone and said, "I made that call because of this. This is my experience in no situations, and that's what's happened." And 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 I think that's all you can do because, especially now, Jim, you know, and and you just the players who have just finished, you're coming into it where the social media scrutiny is far worse than you know than any other time. So. You know, and and people say, oh, I don't look at it, don't look at it. But the, people pick it off of the press, you know, off the television, off the media. And it is difficult. And, and you've got to be kind of hard-skinned just to go, look, I'm, I'm making a call and that's it. Well, the romance of rugby, Jiffy, and again, you'll know this a lot more than me with your experiences both as a player in rugby union, rugby league, and then in the media and how long you've been around that human experience of being able to sit and chat over a beer and people have different opinions and you've seen the game differently has gone. It is playing out on social media and that's anything and everything. That's the good stuff and the bad stuff. So in terms of the social media stuff that comes back at you and then we can maybe talk about the stuff around the referees and you know everyone's got an opinion on the referees at the minute. What kind of stuff would come through to you? Is it as in the fact that you're biased or is it kind of deeper than that? Has it been worse than that? Uh- Oh, it just you know, just it's it's personalised as well, you know. You know, you just get burst out shit at you cope and I'm like, whatever, it doesn't doesn't really get, get to me sometimes. My felt my felt is my, 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 my gorgeous wife. Because sometimes if I've had a glass of red, I'm ready to go, right? Let me tell you. And I'm I'm like my mates tell me, I'm a bit nuclear sometimes when it happens. I don't I hold back, I don't go first, but if I do go, stand back or it's going it's going big, like so uh and, that's, and I'm thinking, it's, yeah, it's the personal stuff. Um, it's the questioning of your kind of opinions. But also the, the main one as well is you're all, it's like, oh, you know, you're, um, why is he still doing it? Because he's too old. That's the, that's, I think that's the group that gets you. And all these people who actually on social and television think, you, you know, oh, yeah, I, I don't, don't do any research. I don't watch any games. I don't converse with current players or coaches. I, I don't listen to players who have just finished. You know, I've since I've since I finished, I've I've worked with people like uh, Jerry Gascott, Keith Woods, Martin Johnson, Martin Williams, Thomas Castanier, Paul O'Connell, Brian O'Driscoll, up to up to the current crop of um, the way I'm working together. But you have got Patterson, Barkley, um, Tommy Bow, and then you have got Sam Warburton. So and the thing that gets me is right. We all speak before, uh, uh, during, and and post, and the opinions are very very similar. So the, and we go back. The game has not changed. We see the game as we always have. The things that have changed now, obviously, um, preparation, analysis, strength and conditioning, uh, nutrition. So you know they're over. You know. I, I call it death by analysis sometimes, right? Because if I'm playing against a fullback and I, they told me how good he is, how quick he is, how, how great a defender he is, I'm thinking, would I take him on? Maybe not. But like if I'm in the moment and I know I've done my own research on him, I'm telling you what, if his feet are in the wrong position or his shoulder or his body weight is on the left side and I'm going right side, I'm doing him. And I, and I know I'm doing him when I'm 20 yards away. But like people now are thinking, I'm thinking they're, they're scared of running away from support. But I'm saying, and I I want the support to get to me. 
So it's all it's all encompassing in your education from your level you know, to where you are now. So you don't switch off. You learn. I learn every day. I listen to comments. I listen to podcasts. And I think, oh, that's interesting because I know people have been in similar situations from me, but with but they, they're different players and different people to me. So their opinions of what they would do at that particular time is different. And you've just been human. So that's what gets me is people think, oh, he's too old. He's lost touch with it. And then you, and then you work with all these kind of rich, just retired players. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, what I do as well, and doing the podcast, and we have to talk about rugby every week, and you've got to do it in your own way. You've got to do it in your own style. But I will listen to other podcasts. I'll listen to the experts. I'll listen and watch the press conferences after of the coach and the captain speaking. And you're taking all that information, and you can base your opinion on it, but it, it's your delivery of how you do it. Do you know what I mean? You deliver it in your way. People either like it or they don't. Like, I'm sure people listening to this, well, they're probably not because they don't like my voice, so they're not listening to this unless they love you and don't no, like it. No, that's, 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 that's it, Jim. You know, you, you, know you, you can't please everyone, but you're, you're doing your best to do your job. And, that, and that's all. And that's all. You know, people are asking you to do that in, when you're playing rugby. Look, you do your job, mate, to the best of your ability, and you can come off that field and you look at yourself and go, I've given everything. And I think that's the same thing in life in general. You know, I, I'm the way you bring your kids up, the way you are with people, you know, humility goes a long way, like, you know, and manners. And that's the thing it is, you know, even like, you know, I take I take my sporting nastiness now onto the golf course. Because I was a nasty, you know, I, I, I wanted to win and I was kind of a dirty little get sometimes, you know. And, I, and I'm like on the golf course. It's psychological on the golf course now. So it's you have two people. I remember Kobe Bryant saying, it's what I am on the, on the basketball, but it's not who I am. Which is where people see a different part of you when, you, you know, when you're in the media, when you do it, when you're playing. It's what, it's what you are, but then off it and away from life with your family and your friends. Is who you are. And that's what's important to me is who I am. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you 
and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Exactly. And with that as well, it's interesting because I got that because of the way that I played penalty machine. Yeah. Uh, yellow yeah. cards, red cards, punching people. Owen Farrell gets exactly the same. People have a perception of the way that he takes the field, the way that he looks, the fact that I was chatting to have one of his best mates. It's almost like, not that he's second-guessing himself, but I, th- I imagine Farrell's team are second-guessing themselves because he doesn't put himself out there. He's not doing selfies and all these different things. That doesn't mean he's a shit bloke. You know, that's just him. He doesn't want to do that. But people would automatically pass opinion, which you found the same. But it's interesting, Jiffy, because... If they, well, the people listening to this might be the ones that are doing it, you never know. But if they didn't know, is that you got spear tackled in Papua New Guinea while (laughs) she had a a mouthful and eyes full of tear gas and that you're actually, you know, you're hard as nails. So they might stop doing that. I I had, like, I had my cousin, cousin, you know, people talk about concussions. We come from a generation that maybe, you know, like the high tacklers were, we get it. And sometimes you say, what's a high shot? And and maybe we lean against the defender sometimes with, you know, Last minute, you know, mitigation circumstances. I, I see tackles. There's one Scotland, a Fiji, where there's a guy on a try line, and a winger came in and absolutely caught him. And the referee went, yellow card, mitigating circumstances, he was going down. We know that is a cheap shot, and that is a red card, you know, and then, but everyone are making uh, excuses about it. So, and I, like, I had my cousin, my cousin, um, uh, Dylan, he passed away uh, a couple of weeks ago. Forty-three he was, right? He made a tackle when he uh, twelve years ago, eleven years ago, last minute of a match. Hit hit the guy on the, on the side of the hip. Walked off. That was it. Brain brain dead for eleven years, right? And people think I make these kind of throwaway comments on concussion when I know my cousin is lying in in hospital and he's been there for eleven years. I know he's not getting better. So that's what people don't know. People form an opinion of you, on of you for what they you, they see in television, and the same will happen to you know to you, Jim. People make an opinion of you, don't like you before they met you, and then when they like you, they go, "Oh, oh you're not too bad." But let me tell you something. I couldn't give a fuck. <laughs> that's the key truth about it, because I only care about people who I care about, and this this is me. Well, thanks for sharing that story as well, because it's a very topical one in, in terms of concussion and brain trauma. And again, something that I've gone down the route on here on the Big Jim Show over the last few episodes, interviewing uh, Dr. Bill Ribbons, who is fronting the kind of research around it. And sometimes it's difficult to go down the line to talk about concussion, but because you've brought it up there, Jiffy, where is your standing across everything that's now we are in it aren't we we're, we're deep in the middle of working out what's what understanding what's too much is too much too much or is not enough being done well i i, I again i think i've been lucky rugby's rugby's given me everything right i very i don't think i was ever but people say was i concussed maybe i was concussed i didn't know but it, when i played i have been caught in the chin with an elbow a couple of times i went off once with you know check concussion or you know I think maybe I did once in my career 
And it is, it is tragic. You know, you listen to the stories of all these players now. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. You, you have to know, you know, what's, what's the ratio of men in their 40s who haven't played sport who've got dementia? What's the, what's the ratio of, you know, boxers and footballers? Scotland are brought in no head in, okay? And I'm trying to ask, okay, what do they want to achieve out of this? That's the key for me. What do they want to achieve? Is it safety for future generations of rugby players? Because, you know, rugby's given them, you know, a lot as well. Or is it finances now because they've, they've got dementia? I'm not sure. And I would wish that it, may, it looks to me as if they're working against world rugby. And as if, or it's maybe, maybe I'm talking at the turn here, and maybe you're looking for compensation, okay? Because they can't go around their daily, their, their daily routine. So I would think, right, you know, what do they want to achieve? And why can't they work with world rugby in a, in a big organisation? And then say, right, okay. Let's work together. Let's we're trying everything we can to to make the game safer. And it's not going to be it's not going to be safe. Rugby isn't a safe sport. Formula One isn't a safe sport. Boxing or UFC isn't the same. Hockey, you know, I, my sister hit me the hockey stick in my chin years ago, and that hurt as well. So it's I love them to work together and say, right, what do you want out of it? And and, and I'm sure they can achieve something. As a, as a, you know, a, a, a joint venture, I suppose, but it's, um, it's a very difficult topic to, you know, to cover. You know, David Watkins, who's a very good friend of mine, a Welsh great. You know, he's had dementia, and I haven't seen him for 15 years. You know, and dies in his 80s, and it's very sad. So I, I understand both sides, and it's, and it's, it's sad, and it's a, it's a big issue. Yeah, it is a big issue. We're and we're in the eye of the storm at the minute. That's what I mean. We're literally in the in the middle of it. And I think with all the negativity that has been shone on it, and you say negativity, but around some of the media that's been portrayed out there, some of the stories that we're hearing, we hope that positivity comes out of it at the end. And there is a collaboration with World Rugby because from what I'm hearing is there are payments that are going to be made around the corner. I think the compensation route is going to be seen through once we get through that point it is a collaboration it has to be for us in the media for world rugby as the governing body and then also for the people making the noise and there needs to be that joined up approach with the media as well i i think so yeah because you know you know jim i don't think any players going out there and you look at the medical staff they've the medical staff or have wanted that particular player to have a bad injury or you know, you know, to, to have an end, a career-ending in, injury as well. I think they've all had the best interest of heart while we've been involved. I don't. I, I think every every fitness physio, you know, fitness coach, doctor, has had my best interest at heart. You know, and, and, and that, that's what, what can you what can you say about that? Things are getting better now, and you know, the HIA and the medical staff is unbelievable. But you know, we had a physio once, and I remember. He wasn't even a physio, you know. That wasn't his job, and he just came along because someone needed to come on with a bucket and sponge and put it in your face and see if it's okay. So it's it's come on leaps and bounds, and it's a lot lot safer. And you know, this is just at a professional level. You know what about these kids? You know, I hear, I hear horrendous stories where a kid was lying on the pitch for six hours because they couldn't get an ambulance to him. That's the grassroots level. That's even more serious, you know, because. They haven't got the medical cover and the health that these professional players have. Let's get into it. 
we started so positive. We've gone downhill slightly, which is absolutely <laughs> oh, no, fine. Let's flip it back to positivity. Come on. Oh, Welsh rugby, Jiffy. Oh, God. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, again, I know. Look, I, I don't even need to set the scene, really. I think when you look at yeah. everything that kind of happened in that game against Australia, they shouldn't have lost that game. But the headline ones are the Italy game in the Six Nations. Just giving the listeners some reference yeah, here. Yeah. The Georgia yeah. one during the Autumn Nation yeah. series. And it isn't as simple as Wayne Pivak needs to go, is it? It's You listen to Sam Warburton. I've listened to you before. It's so deep-rooted that it's not one man. Di Young doesn't even want the job. He said, there's no point giving it to a Welshman. No Welshman will want it, or they shouldn't take and, it. And that says it all. You know, Di has been around the block. You know, he's coached in Wales. He's coached in England. He's been there, done it. And he says he doesn't want it. And at this time in his career, maybe it would be the good time for him. He could have four years contract. And thank you very much. Job done. That could be it for him, Di. So that says it all. You know, I... I I can, I can sit here and people say, oh, I lost to Romania. I was captain of Wales when we lost to Romania, okay? But, you know, those things happen sometimes. But ultimately, in a professional game, I don't think it should happen. You know, we were amateurs and they had a bigger pack and we, and we got beat. We didn't play very well. But it is, it's not, it's all, a, it's all about um, what underpins the national side. And we've been so lucky. You know, I, when I started commentating, we would get it in, in a night, uh, you know, early part of, of my broadcasting career. We were getting beat, you know, by France, 50 points. And it's hard. It is hard. Then we come back and then we win three Grand Slams, which is absolutely amazing, you know, to witness. So we are we are peaks and troughs, peaks and troughs. But I haven't seen, we are we are still having an underpin. We've had a good bunch of players to win those Grand Slams. And you've, we've seen a steady decline in our regions. You've seen them, you know. And what gets me is, you see the Scottish region improving. You see the Scottish national side improving. You see the Italians improving and the Italian side. So all of a sudden you've got, you know, likes of Portugal, and, you know, and uh, Holland and Germany. They're coming in. So where will they be in 10 years' time? Your Welsh coaches, you know, coaching abroad. And I, and I do think that the main problem is there needs to be, um, we meant, I, said, I mentioned this last year and Sam has, has said the same. There needs to be a governance where you can't have the tail wagging the dog, not anymore. You need a board to run the amateur. You need a board to run the professional game. The WIU needs a transparent business plan where they can give you know a five-year business plan so the regions can plan. That's not happening. You know they know where they are next year. So being a player, Jim. You want to know where you're going to be next year. So if, I, if they're not going to offer me a contract, family queens came up to it, me and I go, I'm going. My priority is my family. I've got to look after them financially. But it's so, so deep-rooted. And the main thing is getting the governance right at the top and having a uh, transparent business plan and, and having professional board to make professional decisions. Because you can't have you know, four regions and, and Wales, Team Wales fighting against each other all the time it's just it's just not going to work yeah it, it is sad and the word or the phrase deep rooted issues is one that keeps coming out of, coming out of wales now i just find it crazy because you're one of the most successful northern hemisphere teams in history in terms of the six nations the stuff that you've won the amount of players that you've had on british and irish lions tours and you've done that whilst the regions have been not I'd say they've been rapidly declining. When I was at Leicester back in the day, 
And we used to play against the Ospreys, and the Ospreys were like just littered with class players, the history at Cardiff, the old teams like Ponty Prid and Ponty Paul would be competing as well. And they'd be like, right, get these teams in. There needs to be like a semi-professional or, you know, could they step up? But now it just feels like, and it's a real shame. We've spoken about it on the rugby pod, me and Goody, and not laughed about it, but kind of said, oh, you know, Wales are on the way down. And then you nearly win a series in South Africa, for example, just gone. And the World Cup where you, you limped into the semi-final and nearly beat South Africa again. It, it just felt like you managed to pull games out of the bag when it mattered, but yeah, we've overachieved. We've yeah, we've overachieved, and it just you just feel if we got those things in place, how much better we could be. Because there's a lot of talent in Wales, but they don't play enough games. The Premiership, I'm not sure what it's what it's there for. Where you know the Ponties and the Cardiff and Netley, you know what that what they, what's the purpose of that? They don't know. The youngsters don't play enough games. They don't have the, the proper coaching. And, it's, and, it's, and I think it all comes down to finances. But the union needs to have a clear and transparent business plan so that they work with the regions. The regions know, know what they're doing. Is the 60-cap ruling where it's working? I don't think it is. It's there to bring youngsters through. We don't bring youngsters through. You know, not enough, anyway. So we need marquee players. And if the best players want to go away, we can get an overseas player then who's a good player, not average, run-of-the-mill players, you know, journeymen like we've got. But also, the region has got to look at themselves and say, look, are we paying players too much? I, I believe that, you know, they're paying some of the players compared to other countries. They're on more, the Welsh players are on more generally, not maybe not the best players, but the average players, they've got to say, look, we're paying too much for average players. They're not going to come through. So it's... Um, it's it's a big job and big decisions need to be made and the problem you have they need they need an independent kind of chairman at the moment to you know to give some reality checks to everyone so it's uh, it, it is very sad and grassroots are failing there's not as many players playing uh, so it, the WIU really really need to have a, a good look at itself and uh, and see what they can do to try and fix it very quickly because if you don't fix it very quickly that's going downhill. The issue comes down to like where are the players and also what are the regions doing if they're losing if they're losing every week? What you gotta work with and unless he comes in and goes, right, I want to oversee the regions as well, well the regions are gonna go, no. But there needs to be kind of a better connection between the regions and the union. And ultimately is the union's fault, I think. You know, without the benefactors you wouldn't have any clubs in Wales. But and then and they're you know at loggerheads with each other. So it is, it is, it is very depressing at the moment, and we've over, overachieved, you know, in the last decade. So, but unless they sort it out very, very quickly, get the region stronger, get the youngsters playing, get the Premiership sorted, maybe getting marquee players in. You know, I can't believe that, you know, the Ospreys, Stephen Myler is still there or thereabouts at the number one standoff, and you know, and that's not Stephen's fault. Stephen's a true professional. He works hard. He knows what he's doing on the field, right? But for that region, you know, my stake, Aberavon, Neath, um, Swansea and Bagend. There must be, there must be <laughs> one. Where's the two. one, where's the one out of half, you know, in that position? So, yeah, I think it's, you have to look a lot, a lot of things that needs to be sorted. And, the, and it's the unions, unions role from grassroots, the regional rugby to the Welsh team. 
it needs an absolute reform and making big decisions there. Let's finish on a positive note. World Cups in France in a few months' time. Did you commentate the 2007 one? No, I've been, I've been, I've been very un, uh, unfortunate. I've never, I've never commented on a World Cup because I was with the BBC. I still am, and um, I, I, ITV has always had it. Do you like France? Do you like France? Do you think? I do. As a I country? do. I do like France, a country. I'm doing a, I'm doing another bike ride. I'm going to Paris to Bordeaux in September, to, and then watching Fiji Wales in the first game. So I'll have other, I'll have other things on my mind. So to stay on the bike and not fall off and look after my backside. So, but it's um, it'll be the first World Cup I think that we go into it, where maybe no, maybe apart from two thousand and three, England might have been favourites there because they had a good run, but France will go in as favourites. Whether what that does to them and the temperament is another matter. And this year's Six Nations game will be a big say as well between Ireland and France. See how that game goes. But I think it's it's going to be a brilliant World Cup. It's a great place to go. The weather hopefully will be fantastic. There's great atmospheres and great, and great stadiums there. You know, the Southern Hemisphere fans will come up. The Northern Hemisphere fans will pour into it. So I think this could be one of the one of the best World Cups so far because five five teams could win it, and I'm looking forward to it. So um, yeah, I'll be. I don't. I'm not sure I'll be working anywhere. I'll be having a glass of red watching it somewhere. Someone wants me to work. They'll be hanging on. We'll see what happens, but it's uh, it's just a question of enjoying it now. With all the other headline issues around commercialisation, the Premiership losing two teams, but you look at France, there's this microclimate of energy, of money, of hysteria. It's like they're immune to any issues in rugby. They've just got it so right, haven't they? I think, and again, back to your word of deep-rooted, that one that's been banded about. You listen to the, you listen to the boys who have gone to France. And they, they seem to have got that amateur ethos and professionalism right, I think. Uh, the, the, the games get a bit boring sometimes because they've got massive packs of forwards. But if you look, what they did well, they invested in the, in the under-20s eight years ago, right? And they won, I think they won two World Cups, maybe definitely won one World Cup. They won, maybe they won two World Cups. But those under-20s came through. And they saw the, the rich talent um, coming through. And now they're all there and they're all playing in their pump. You know, and with uh, Galtier, they, I like I like Galtier. He's he's a top guy. Work with him on the broadcasting, he's good. Sean's there, you know, Sean Edwards and he just couldn't he couldn't have picked the better side to go. The one thing that they needed was discipline and defence. Now he's there. You can see that they're they're focused because France would always give you an opportunity to win the game because they would be with that poor discipline. So he is there. Gart is there, and they got good players, and they've got a depth of players. It's always going. You're always going to have talking points, Jim. You know, I started doing this. I you know, I played for Nathan 80, 1982, right? And here I still am talking about rugby and. Uh, the same things crop up all the time, mate. Exactly, Jiffy. Well, you're a great rugby man. And next time we do this, we'll do it live together over a glass of yes. red wine, hopefully in France. So I really appreciate your time today. Definitely. We'll have a, you know, that's, that's the one thing about rugby, right? It's, it's got great people. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a sport that you know, just, just gives all the time. And it's, uh, it's, been a, it's been a privilege to be involved in it. I thoroughly enjoyed it, you know, on and off the field.